Welcome to Classic Mystique, the podcast that celebrates the more human side of classical music, in other words, fails. I'm Sarah Hansenoko, the host for this episode, featuring many different Canadian flute players. We all took part in an initiative put on by my colleague Gwen Clausen called Flute Tapestry. Essentially, the goal of our little Zoom meeting was to discuss mistake stories, fail stories, and how they're just a part of life for all musicians. And how instead of letting those moments ruin our self-esteem, how we can use them to fuel wellness and laughter and joy. There's a link in the show notes to the Flute Tapestry website, as well as the names of all the participants. Marvin Hamlish. And uh, he was doing his shtick, you know, like very, very quick-witted. It was very funny. And uh, then he turned to me and he said, play Stars and Stripes. And it's like, I'm not American. I said to him, I don't know it. And he said, well, just anything. And I went, and that was it. <laughs> and, you know, it was very, very embarrassing. Um, and that one I haven't compartmentalized to such a degree that I can still think about it and, and uh, laugh about it. So that was that, that Marvin Hamlish. That was a classic. I had a lot of people being very empathetic afterwards. Oh, I can't imagine being put on the spot like that. And I said, that was so kind. So then it also allowed me not to be hideously embarrassed. Like that kindness allowed me to find the humor in it too. It's similar, but a little bit different. Um, we were, um, I, I, we contracted out for video games live, which is, um, a, I guess it's a group that comes up with a rock band and a, and a conductor at the, orchestra plays the background music to large video game screens behind us. And it was my very first time using a click track. So wasn't used to that. So not, you know, conductor doing pretty much nothing. You had the click track keeping you on and there's this, it, it went completely fine in the rehearsal. And then we get to the uh, Legend of Zelda. And all of a sudden I'm hearing the click track and I'm counting and everything's great. And all of a sudden this voice comes on and says, flute solo in five, four, just threw me. I went, what, what is that? <laughs> and I lost count because it was a warning. <laughs> so we sang the first, he sang the first two notes into my headphones and then I took off from there, but it was so embarrassing. I just was so not expecting a voice to suddenly come through headphones and talk at me. It was quite funny. Anyway. <laughs> Why would they even have that in there? I don't <laughs> I don't know. I was counting fine, but it was just something I'd never experienced. So it just made me jump. So <laughs> reminds me of the Esther Honans when uh, I don't know how many years ago this was and it was being televised and <clears throat> I was like a little bit sick and I had been like this kind of sick before and it goes away, especially if I take certain meds, but it was not going away. And so like, there was no way I could play. And, uh, you know, I'd sort of, I won't go into details of what I had set up around me to try and compensate for the illness, but it was very clear this was not going to end anytime soon. And so it was like the walk of shame off off the stage and like so many phone calls are you okay what's wrong because it was televised as well so it was quite quite dramatic but again i got that empathy so that was i can't imagine playing with what was going on because that person was right beside me <laughs> so, but it's a it's a whole new world now i don't know if we would have to gut it through like that anymore that it would just be like just stay home gwen we were playing the same song the carnival and um, 
in the middle of the quietest moment, my tuner fell off my music stand and everyone on stage was terribly distracted looking who dropped their instrument, who dropped their instrument. Everybody's panicking, thinking part of their instrument may have fallen or some of their equipment. And the audience went, <gasps> and so it was so, it was so unfortunate. And I just pretended like nothing happened. There was nothing else I could do because I didn't want to call attention to myself. And, you know, I would like beat red, but I was just like, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not looking at my tuner on the floor, nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and we've had these education out, um, outreaches as well. And we had um, an interesting inter-orchestral um, feud, I guess you can call it, where we did one show in the morning and one show in the afternoon. And in the morning, we were put on the spot. And I've learned a couple of things from those things is one, always warn people about the piccolo, how high it is, because these poor kids, if they're not warned about the, uh, the sound, they actually, some start crying. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I always tell people, all right, get your hands up, cover your ears, because it's going to be very, very loud. And uh, I give them a good warning, because that's being like, it's heartbreaking when a child starts crying from something you've, you've demonstrated to them. And but this feud that happened is, we all just off the cuff do do our little presentation and whatever, you know, we feel like doing at the time. And we had the first show, the brass did a Star Wars excerpt. And the second show, the strings went first and the violas took the brasses um, part and played that. And then the brass were left hanging. They had prepared this as a group and then they had to scramble on the spot. So that was interesting. <laughs> To me, one of the funniest things for me, it's just so funny when somebody plays in a, in a rest, like, you know, a grand pause or like nobody's supposed to be playing. It's It literally happens to everybody at some point in time. And it's just so funny. Like, it feels terrible when it's you. But you know, <laughs> if someone else does, it, it's like, oh, good. They did it. It wasn't me. <laughs> but in orchestra, often, you know, like um, one of the violinists recently did it. And, and she just stood up and took a bow, you know, after like, yep, thank you very much. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Does anyone have any stories about putting their foot in their flute? <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. But And what I have found also in our orchestra is that then when we do it again, someone else will do it on purpose. We'll step in the hole on purpose. So again, it just it lightens the mood a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there are people who feel differently about this, but, but for me, it doesn't take away with our commitment to excellence. It just takes like that, the inner critic, that harsh judge just takes a breather because that can um, spread like wildfire too. And I think we're made that way to pay attention to the negative, that the negative feels more real than the positive. <clears throat> and so if we can keep um, creating that environment where humor is a valid way of releasing some of that pressure, then I think it remains much more healthy overall. And we maintain that healthy competition within. So like, uh, not only are we listening so carefully, we know when we, each other has made a mistake, but we're also like attuned to the musical flow and the musical intuition and ideas that are being bounced around as well. So what I've noticed is those things are quite woven together and sort of like a, tapestry type of way. <laughs> um, 
So I probably wasn't able to laugh about it until recently. And so you gave me the directive to find something funny. And I mentioned this to my husband today. And he says, oh, are you going to tell them about? And I said, yes, I will tell them. So 21 years ago, um, I had uh, a one-year-old and I was just sort of getting back into playing again. And um I was carrying him and and uh, I tripped and I broke my foot. So with, you know, this 35 pound bag of potatoes in my hand. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, with the Canadian medical system and so on, when I went to emerge, they, they didn't cast it properly because they were going to do surgery or they thought they were. So I had a half cast on the break and and um I had a concert that weekend and I had just recently been asked to play principal in the Ottawa Chamber Orchestra which my husband was conducting and my husband's a at the time he was a violinist in the NAC he's now been playing viola avec at 17 years I guess um and he hadn't asked me to play so it wasn't like a nepotism kind of thing but he felt a little bit on the spot with me playing and on the program was Hebrides Overture, which I love. And I, because of my foot thing, I had my foot elevated, the broken foot elevated. So I wasn't in a really great flute playing position. And for some inexplicable reason, when the key change happened, I played an A natural instead of an A flat. And I mean, this is a big flute solo and I was playing big and I don't even, I mean, I knew they played it just fine in rehearsals. Like, I don't know what happened. But, you know, the times when you just want to sink under your chair. And yeah, so I can laugh about it now because, you know, in the big picture, but my husband's face, like his, his shock and kind of anger, but helplessness, like, it, he was like, oh my God, whoa. Yeah, so... Yeah, he, he didn't make any conducting mistakes, which was good. So, you know, afterwards, but so, yeah, we can both laugh about it now. In the moment, sometimes it feels horrible, but yeah, it, that is, it's like, it is, a, it's funny after the fact, you think you went through this thing and everybody survived. And, you know, I, I always think about the audience, like so many things about the audience, but a, you know, a good majority of them don't know enough about music to even know that you made a mistake you know so if you're playing big I like the way you said that I was playing big it's like if you just own it you know they may not even know that you made the mistake be like I've been you know if if there's no flutes in whatever we're performing I'll go into the audience and watch my colleagues play and um James Ennis was performing um this beautiful violin concerto and like there was literally people around me snoring like they were fast asleep <laughs> so you just don't know you know we put so much pressure it's like we made this huge mistake and it's the end of the world and like I know better than this and like you said I don't know what happened because you don't it's like it what happened is that you're human and you made a mistake like we we do all the time right and so I try to forgive myself in that way just like you know I bet I bet most people didn't even wouldn't even have a clue and even if they did you know it's not like they're going to be telling this story to their grand did you remember when that flutist made that horrible mistake you know 
I did play in church, I guess, when I was quite young, like at maybe 11 or 12. And the music just went and just flew off my stand. And you know, 11, like I, as 11 year old, I didn't care. I just went, got the music and put it back on and just kept going. So that was, so ever since then, I've made sure that my music doesn't fall off. But uh, I do remember there being spit in my flute. So I'm fingering a C and a B comes out because all this spit is in the B key. And that's not where I had empathy. A colleague didn't believe me that there was spit in the key and just thought I had played the wrong note. So that was a very judgy time, but I, <clears throat> I had my deflective shields up, so it didn't really get in. I was just like, isn't that interesting? That's a little judgy. And so I decided with some wisdom not to let that judgy comment in, but there are lots of judgy comments that get in. Don't worry about that. I wish I was armored up all the time. I had um, a pad that ripped during a backstage performance. We were, we were a pit band and um, pad ripped. And this one time I didn't bring an extra flute because I was playing alto flute, piccolo, recorder. And um, during the show, someone had to run to my house and pick up my backup flute. And it was, it was so like, and that was the same show that actually the fire alarm went off and we were, backstage I had all these instruments I'm like which one do I pick and I had two kids in the show and it's like which one do I pick <laughs> I was like it was panic it was absolute panic and we had to evacuate the building and we weren't sitting in a safe um, place so we actually the the emergency door was completely blocked so we had to wait for the whole cast to go outside first I was trying to locate my kids choosing the, the my instruments and had to run out the back door and there was it was uh set off not by fire but by you know how they put the smoke machine and all that for special effects so that's what actually set it off but what a panic that was and uh i don't know maybe jerry has some similar you i take it you do a lot of pit work and stuff like that maybe you've had some moments that have happened like that we also had a moment where we had a pianist have a um a seizure during the concert and so down she went we're in a different pit and the door is only about three and a half feet high to get in and out and it's a, it's a, like a ladder that you climb up we had to have the, the the paramedics had to come and try and get this fairly large uh, accompanist out and we were stuck as well and from then on like I went and I said can we please have a ladder to get out the front of the stage so that if we need to get out, because no way we can all get out that tiny door. So a lot of safety issues, you know, that we've learned from, from these not funny and some of them funny situations. But um, yeah, that's been a, a big cause for panic for me at times when we've been put in situations where there's no way out. <laughs> so. We were doing, I was doing a, like a small version of a Mall in the Night Visitors with Opera Cologne. It was just Leslie Della on the piano and me on the flute. And they have the exit and I'm playing along this flute solo and they just kill the lights. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to say to them, so next show, so I'm like, I hope I remember this. I really hope I remember this. But yeah, I think there was, what, uh, yeah, there was a couple of things, but at that point it was just like, <laughs> I've had so many little minor things happen. I think once I we were standing up and somebody had done a big concern, I was holding my flute in this hand. I started clapping with this hand and my foot joint fell crashed to the ground. And I was just like, 
screamed. <laughs> Just everybody around me is like, <laughs> so that, that was fun. Another time I was in the middle, I don't even know what, what we were playing. I was um, playing the solo and my colleague next to me just stood up and left the stage. And I knew the next movement again was the beginning that was, um, was a 32 bar piccolo solo. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I'm just trying to play, I have no idea. I don't even know if I made a mistake on my solo because I'm so concerned about how we were gonna start the next one. And it turned out it was one of those shows where we had to wear fancy dresses and her sequence on her dress had got caught. She was wearing my piccolo on the, on the um, springs of my piccolo and come out. So she all she was so she snuck backstage, luckily had didn't have a piccolo on stage, grabbed her piccolo, came down and sat in perfect time. It was it was really quite it, it's hilarious now. At the time <laughs> so another one was an instrument malfunction. It was well it was body malfunction. So another we were hired 10 years ago to do a show outside on Canada Day and it was literally 40 degrees during the day so it was 35 degrees at night we had our concert black on the sweat dripping down I was playing um uh, morning pure gint so just the flute and it was miked and a fly started crawling across my face and I'm like when can I have a hand when so I'm pretty sure I got flattered my my flute was sliding down yeah I haven't actually a, a similar um, memory with a fly, Christine. I was actually playing at uh, one of my good friends' grandmother's funeral, and we were playing outdoors. My husband is a guitar player, so we, we um, perform together for all sorts of events around the city. But um, at this one particular funeral, uh, um, I went to go take a big breath, you know, in the middle of a piece, and literally like a fly went straight into my mouth. And in that moment, the entire situation I was in completely flew out the window. Like the fact that I was performing at a funeral and that, you know, it was, you know, a special moment for these people. I just started like, like in the middle of this performance. And like my husband, my husband is trying not to laugh. He's like trying to keep playing. And, and I just like totally lost it, you know, and it took me a minute to kind of get myself back together. But um, that was quite the moment for everybody i am sure yeah good time i guess one of the fails i could offer to this conversation was not exactly a flute fail but related to it um playing cats the uh, second woodwind part is flute clarinet and berry sax and i was playing the show and those shows are always fun but intense because you're doing eight shows a week for six weeks and busy kind of jumping between instruments regularly and one of the transitions from flute to clarinet i was a bit um Hasty and I didn't pay. It's dark in the pit. We have to mark things like where your stands are and be careful. And I actually hit the top of the flute onto the clarinet and cracked the mouthpiece of my clarinet, which I've had for 25 ish years. And uh, and then it was like unplayable for the rest of the show. So I actually had to play the clarinet parts on berry sax, transposing them in a couple solos and a couple spots that I could sort of do that quickly. Which luckily I've been trained enough to work a lot on transpositioning. So it wasn't a huge issue, but it was Barry Sachs instead of Clarinet, so that kind of threw the conductor off. But um, and and even worse, fail around the bug thing, which isn't flute specific, but I was playing in BC. Um, I think it was in Invermere for a jazz event, and uh, I learned the hard way that if you ever leave a beer out and you're somewhere 
in the middle of winter or summer, sorry, um, wasps will climb into that. And uh, I went and took a swig after I played a solo and literally inhaled like four or five wasps and got bit at least three or four times um, in moments and then had two more hours of music to play um, after that when my tongue and my mouth was swollen up and all weird. And I was playing sax. I, I Quite often I'll bring a tenor and a flute and sometimes a soprano sax or another instrument, two or three, to mix up the sound. And uh, anyway, couldn't play any flute because my mouth was not working. I could barely play sax. And, uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge for me that I always try to work for is like, how do you get the embouchure and transition between instruments when you have three minutes or sorry, three bars to change or short little transitions. And so lots of fails, I can tell you, between <laughs> situations where you go to play the next instrument and like, nope, work or something's going to happen, and particularly when dealing with uh, transitioning from, say, a sax or a clarinet to flute. Sarah, I don't know if you remember, something had gone on with my flute. We were playing in Grace Presbyterian and Sarah Geick was playing pickle or something, and I could be making all of this up but she had her flute out. So she gave me her flute to play the second flute part, but she had it adjusted differently than I was used to. And I kind of screamed a little bit <laughs> when I put the flute up to my face. It was like, ha! Ah! <laughs> so it was different. I get very, very intensely focused. It's like the only way I can corral my brain is with intensity, it seems. I'm experimenting with some other ways. And uh, <clears throat> so I, we had a colleague who liked when uh, he was leaving stage to just stomp on our riser as he was exiting the stage. And every single time, ah, I'd scream again. And, or if he'd put his hand on my shoulder and I'm not expecting it, I'm so intense, ah, scream again. So it became quite the, uh, the shtick and the CPO because it doesn't take much to make me jump. Because there was a time that my instrument malfunctioned. I can't, you know, same thing, a key stopped working or there was some grime in it. And and yeah, every time I tried to play a B, a B flat would come out. And it was fairly early on. And, you know, I was still feeling pressure to 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 do well. And, and you knew what was happening and you just, you were playing piccolo. So you just handed me your flute, same thing, like to play. Yeah, you don't even remember. And, and it's interesting because that's, after playing your flute for like 20 minutes, I was like, oh my God, my flute is such a pile of junk. <laughs> that I actually that's why I bought a new flute <laughs> after that experience it's like oh it's not me it's the flute oh, okay god <laughs> oh yeah. that's very funny because I play with inline and so I think that was probably to just, whoa but you didn't screech with the inline flute <laughs> I try not to screech too much but <laughs> <laughs> well there has to be someone who doesn't yeah <laughs> someone quiet around <laughs> Yeah, recently through my degree process, which had all sorts of things I wasn't expecting, mostly the online classes and dealing with doing presentations in a in a Zoom way. Um, it's funny. I'm, I'm I don't love public speaking, but I'm quite happy to talk about things that I know something about. But somehow when it was on Zoom, it, 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 it's, it's, you just don't get that same kind of feedback in the moment. And, and it's, uh, so uh, I was in a music and gender class and my project was about um, the relatively fewer numbers of female principal flutes in like the big five, you know, big orchestras, like mostly in the United States. Canada seems to be doing better. Um, but um, so uh, part of it was explaining, you know, what 
is required in 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 um in an audition and uh i think i was just going to demonstrate a bit of the opening of the daphnis solo which you know we all have to learn <laughs> and and i like playing it when it's not for an audition um and my bow peep had shifted and i hadn't noticed and my first finger it got in the way and i had i couldn't I didn't have the presence of mind, I guess, because I was on Zoom to realize that that was what was going on. So I was like, oh, oh, something's wrong with my flute. And I'm thinking they're going to think I just can't play. But I I reached for my backup flute and, and was fine. But, you know, it was just sort of embarrassing. Instrument malfunction, which I don't know why it, that hadn't happened before. But there you go, you know. It wasn't even a big deal. Like it wasn't that I needed to send my flute off for uh, overhaul or anything. It was just a silly thing. So, yeah. but so I think situation sometimes changes how reactive or how we react to what's going on. I think that's a biggie, <laughs> like worrying about your kids in a fire alarm. <laughs> I do want to tell two flip retreat recital stories that bring me great joy. So Lorna and I were playing uh, a duet by Zyman and we had organized a few little shtick things because with the flute retreats, like every year we had to do something more and more silly. So like the bar just kept getting raised and this was the 150th centennial and we were playing Arthur Bachman's piece uh, as well as the, the Zyman piece. And so I had found these um, Canadian boas and there's this huge piano solo in the middle and so Lorna and I had organized that we were going to leave and then come back with our boas put a boa on Roger and then we found a cowbell in our uh, rental home so then we started ringing the cowbell and no one knew we were going to do that and then you know we started playing and we were both laughing so hard like we missed part of our cadenza and so that was like really restorative because I think there's a skill set to laughing and playing just like crying and playing um you know like oh everything's going to get very narrow <laughs> because i don't have access to my lungs anymore and then like there was sort of like some improv dancing going on as well and i you know it just brought so much joy just to remember remember that uh to remember that experience and just all the improv you know back and forth like just really paying attention that way how silly can we be and still play the notes on the page which was always a challenge with them because they would just rewrite the the, the music, like the morning of, it's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm so tired. Like, and I remember, like, I would bring scotch tape with me because I knew they were going to write something new the day of the performance. And I was going to have to write it out and copy and paste things so that I could at least see what was going on. I mean, they're on you know, such a different level that they come up with all of these things. I guess the other one was with, um, with Wib, Lauren and I were playing Sarasate duet, and we'd done that for a recording and, and on a few concerts. And we didn't know that he had snuck uh, beside Roger with his piccolo and he just started playing uh, like an uh, improv piccolo line on top of Sarasate. You can see in the video again, just, just laughing while we're playing. <laughs> this was just so outrageous. Oh, I, I miss him very, very much. That was one of my favorite web stories. <laughs> and how much joy, you know, is available on like the elite of the elite level of playing and genius. You know, it's, um, so it, I really appreciate, Sarah, that you're doing this and bringing that forward, that most of the great artists we've met do have a sense of humor if they've dealt with their ego. 
that I guess could be a big if. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can um, perform in such a musical and exciting way if you are just a robot. So I think that's part of, yeah, no risk, no reward. And sometimes, you know, the, the, the pit that you fall in is huge, but it's, it's just part of, yeah, it's just part of it. And like you said, I'm sure all of those players, with included, have made some just horrendous mistakes in their life too, you know? So, yeah, for me, the, it's Nutcracker. We, we perform Nutcracker like 10 to 12 times every single year. And um, I still have yet to play it without making a mistake. I don't even know that's how that's humanly possible. But the more I try to not make a mistake, the more mistakes I make. But yeah, they're so funny to me because none of them are from lack of practice. Certainly, I can probably play the thing by memory by now. Um, and some of the mistakes are like, like one time... I finished the Waltz of the Flowers, you know, dun, 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 dun. I was like, dun, bah, bah, bah. like, like four of the notes were wrong. I, <laughs> and then, so of course it was Sarah McDonald playing with me. And of course, so she bursts out laughing because it was so bad. Then I burst, we couldn't even play the next number because we're both just like <laughs> laughing so hard. And then, yeah, it's not, it's not the most professional move to just be laughing instead of playing for sure. <laughs> Sometimes you can't. I I um feel like there's always like an off concert portion that it's kind of the, the wrap up of the concert where we we relive some of those moments that happened and it's always it's always the way to kind of let it all out without feeling pressured or embarrassed. We once had a uh, violist who uh, managed to throw his bow into the audience. I, I don't know how that happened, but he actually hit an audience member with his bow and we had to stop and he had to go down the staircase off the stage and collect his bow. So that was, uh, you know, at the time it was, everybody just kind of looked down and no one looked at each other. But after the concert was the time when we um, enjoyed that uh, little incident. And we had a, a cellist who left his end pin out and he didn't remember he had and he tripped over his own cello. And uh, while he was getting back on stage to get ready and the audience was filing back in and what a horrendous sound that is. And everybody just kind of jumped and he was like, oh, no problem, no problem. But, you know, it was another one of those moments that we re relived after the concert and it was, it was fun. <laughs> well, that's the end of our episode for today. Thanks again to all the participants of Flute Tapestry for sharing their stories, some funny, some vulnerable, and just taking the time to talk about failures. If you have any questions or comments about any of our episodes or have some funny stories you want to reach out and share, please feel free to contact us. You can find us at gbflutes.com.